You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. On Thursday, April 15th, Queen's University announced construction of a new pavilion for Richardson Stadium during an online event attended by donors and members of the university community. The pavilion will provide enhanced amenities for student athletes, coaches, spectators, and community members. Over 300 Queen's University alumni contributed more than $11 million to this project, with the lead gift coming from Stu and Kim Lang, who are with me in the virtual studio today. Stuart, who graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Chemical Engineering in 1974, was a star receiver with the Golden Gales from 1970 to 74, and also played varsity hockey, and is a member of the Queen's Football Hall of Fame. And he went on to play CFL football in Edmonton for eight years, winning five Grey Cups championships before moving on to coach the Queen's Gales rival team, the Guelph Griffins, for six years. Kim, a Queen's University alumna graduating from arts and science in 1975, serves on the Ontario Veterinary College's Pet Trust Board of Directors and was formerly artistic director of the Eden Mills Writers Festival. Kim, Stu, thank you so much for joining us here on Campus Beat. Thank you, Dinah. We're looking forward to it. Yes. I'm so excited to talk to both of you and learn so much from you about uh, your time at Queen's University. Let's dive right in. I'd love to hear more about your time in the early 70s, uh, playing football and hockey and the activities that you were up to as well. I understood you played some sports too, Kim. Tell us more about your time at Queen's. Yeah, so it was... um... It's interesting, uh, uh, recruiting is a big thing. If you talk to uh, Coach Schneider, um, your team is only as good as you recruit. But uh, back in my era, there really wasn't recruiting uh, outside of my dad saying, you have to go to Queens. Uh, <laughs> dad, was an enge- dad was an engineer and his uh, research showed that the best engineering school was Queens. So I wasn't recruited. I was basically told by my dad to go to Queens. So uh, that's how I ended up uh, being a Queens Golden Gale back then. But um, um, so I'd never been to Kingston before. So it was quite an interesting trek uh, down there in August to go to training camp. And back then there was no age limit to how long you could play. So I was now going from high school to playing with uh, gentlemen that had were married and, and, and in some cases had kids so it was a real eye-opener for me but uh, I was fortunate to play for four years and made some great friends uh, during that time there. Okay and how about you Kim? Well I, I'm from Ottawa and I'm going to be kind of met in the middle of Kingston between Ottawa and Toronto and um, when I was a child I had I had horses and I skied and, and uh, I guess Queens, it was just, there were the Ottawa universities and Queens was pretty close. And I always seemed to add friends that had applied to Queens and, and it sounded like a great place where I applied and uh, really enjoyed uh, my time there. And uh, what courses were you taking while you were there or extracurriculars were you engaged in? 
Um, well, I did, a, a, my major was in psychology, but I think my favorite courses were some of my electives and in art history. And I took some business courses too in marketing and things in the business school. And um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed my elective courses. <laughs> yeah. if, if, if you're ever playing Jeopardy, Kim is the partner you want oh, to no. have. She is amazing. <laughs> An all-rounder. <laughs> so if, if there's ever a trivia yeah. night, I'll, I'll just call you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Useless details. <laughs> all right. So um, now it sounds like you were also quite heavily involved in both hockey and football, Stu. How did you manage playing two varsity sports while you were doing an undergraduate degree in chemical engineering? That sounds like a lot. Well, uh, maybe it was just uh, me not being smart enough. Uh, I played, you know, multiple sports in, in high school, and I just thought that was sort of normal. So uh, I tried out for the football team and uh, tried out for the hockey team and made both. Um, but I often joke that uh, my iron ring, which engineers are given when they graduate, Half of it goes to a fellow by the name of Steve Tovey, who was my lab partner. So uh, hockey, you travel a lot. So I'd miss a lot of classes and lab work and he'd take good notes for me and help me to get through. So I have to thank Steve Tovey for uh, allowing me to graduate and play two varsity sports at the same time. <laughs> Sounds like you had a good teammate on the off, off field and off ice too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so now how did the two of you meet? I guess it was, I, I had been dating a, um, a fellow that was a rookie on the football team in my first year at Queen. And when we broke up, Stu asked him if, if he could, if he could, if he could ask me out. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I, I had my eye on her from one of the football parties. <laughs> okay. So you saw her across the room. Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Do you remember the song that was playing when you saw her? No. The <laughs> oh, boy. That sounds like a good film in the making. <laughs> mm -hmm. Coming of age movie with Stuart Gill. Yeah. At least I was polite. I asked uh, who was a friend of mine, so uh, I didn't want to cause some problems uh, personally or from a team aspect. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's hear about uh, your career paths uh, after Queen's University. Kim, I understand you went off to Teachers College. Um, back then you had to teach for two years uh, before getting your permanent certificate. You don't have that anymore. But um, at the time, Stu was in Edmonton, going back and forth between Edmonton and Toronto. Um, and so we were married in my second year of teaching. So I, that kind of put a kibosh on my teaching career because we were out in, in Edmonton and moving back and forth between Edmonton and, uh, and well, Toronto at the time. So um, we could, that's what happened <laughs> okay but yeah it sounds very difficult moving the, the great distance it's not like going from guelph to toronto <laughs> no 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 exactly okay so when when you settled in edmonton tell us about what was happening in edmonton you played football there for many many years yes, um, so as you know in your final year you're drafted and I happen to be drafted by the uh, Edmonton Eskimos 
And again, uh, much like Kingston, I'd never been to Edmonton. So flying out there in, in June for uh, training camp was uh, uh, quite interesting. I was fortunate that the year before, one of our team captains, Mike Lambros, had been drafted. And so he was out there and just helped me sort of assimilate into the professional uh, professional ranks, which was, which was helpful. But uh, it was an interesting time. Um, uh, the, the veterans were on strike. So only the rookies came to training camp, which worked out to my advantage because sometimes when you go to training camp, the coaches are so focused on trying to get ready for the season that rookies get overlooked. But without the veterans there, um, they could look at us for all practice uh, in all meetings. So it gave you a chance to uh, perform without the uh, veterans being there. And then the position I was trying out for, uh, the fellow the year before had won the Shenley Award, which was the award given to the most valuable player in the league. But uh, prior to training camp playing in the All-Star game, he tore his hamstring. So um, uh, all these coincidences seemed to sort of fall in line. And I ended up starting in the first game of, uh, of my rookie year and ended up playing eight years. So uh, I'm not sure if I was good enough, but I was certainly fortunate enough <laughs> to have the position open up. So I had... Eight great years there. It was the time of the Oilers. So Wayne Gretzky arrived. Uh, we were called the City of Champions because we were winning Stanley Cups and Grey Cups uh, all the time. It was just a, a great experience. Edmonton was coming into its own with the oil and gas. And it always been considered sort of the, the second city to Calgary. And so it was just a, a great time, uh, not just to play football, but to be in Canada. Okay. And what activities were you up to at the same time, Kim? Our activities were with the football team. And we kind of, we, we were in an apartment building um, with other players and their wives and their families and things. So we, we mixed a lot with the football um, crowd and that we traveled with them and not the games, but then there was time off. We'd go into the mountains and, and into to Banff and Jasper and things. So it was it was really lovely. It was a lovely time to be there. I mean, Western was so friendly and really uh, lovely people. When I went back to play the Ottawa Rough Riders, that's when I proposed to uh, Kim. And it was interesting. The next game, uh, I was one of the stars of the game. So they interviewed me on national television and I told everyone that I just got engaged. I thought that was sort of interesting. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. It's memorialized in history. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's excellent. All right. So now after many years in uh, playing professional football and enjoying your time uh, in, in, in the Edmonton area as well, how did you find yourselves at Guelph University? Well, um, Kim can maybe tell you, we, we sort of grew, we lived in Toronto and then we moved to Oakville, and then maybe Kim, you want to explain why we moved to Guelph? Horses, and hundred-fifty-year-old Fieldstone farmhouse, and and worked on that a lot, and and um, yeah, so we were really Guelph is just a few minutes north of us, so we would just uh, go into into mm -hmm. town. That was where uh, mm -hmm. we went into town, mm -hmm. and you well, you started. Um, 
who was it that asked you to come yeah, so, to? Yeah, so I started uh, coaching at Upper Canada College, which is my uh, high school uh, that I attended. And I really enjoyed coaching. And I said, you know, I want to try to get better at this. So through a friend of mine, I was able to uh, talk to Kyle Walters, who's the head, who was the head football coach at Guelph. And I said, Kyle, listen, I've got some time before high school football starts. Uh, can I help out in some way? And Kyle said, well, you can do more than that. I just lost my receiver coach. Why don't you join us full time? So that was in 2009, I believe, and ended up coaching there um, for that year. We lost a 51-49 to uh, Queens. Uh, they went on to win the national championship that year. So we can brag that we were probably the closest to beat them. Uh, we were quite a good team at the time with uh, Brannigan as the quarterback. But um, And then at the end of 2009, Kyle left to go to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the CFL. And the athletic director at the time said, well, Stu, you've been in business. Can you help us interview to replace Kyle? So I was interviewing people and I just didn't think they were going in the right direction. So I chatted with Kim and I said, do you mind if I throw my hat in the ring? And uh, I did and ultimately they, uh, they hired me. And I said, listen, I think I can turn this program around in three or five years. Uh, ended up uh, staying there for six, uh, but just had a, I just love coaching players. And uh, as we'll probably get into, and as Coach Schneider would know, it's more just the, than the X's and O's, especially at university. You have a chance to really influence uh, a young man's thinking and his uh, career. I'm, I'm interested from uh, being a non-athlete myself, but somebody who does enjoy watching the odd football game here and there. I've always been interested in the idea of uh, uh, players that uh, eventually become coaches. It's not the same thing because you've been taking direction from a coach and playing as a team and coordinating with the team the bulk of your life. But then all of a sudden the, the tables have turned and it's you making the plays and giving the guidance. Mm -hmm. How did that transition, how did you transition into that? Well, you hit, a, hit the nail on the head. It is difficult because you're on the sidelines while your players are competing and you just want to jump in and make a block or make a catch or something like that. So that was um, difficult, but I'd always liked leadership, whether it was business or sports. So while I was playing football, I would always sort of analyze and look at my coaches, whether it was, uh, you know, Hugh Campbell or Frank Tyndall at uh, Queens uh, and trying to say, you know, what things did I like? What things work? Can I incorporate them in to my leadership uh, quality? So whether it was uh, business when I was in our family business and then ultimately as a head coach, but um, you realize that uh, you know you only have so much time to educate and train. I guess it's much like um, being a, a parent. You know, you spend all the time while your child's under your roof, and then at some point you say, you know, goodbye, and they leave. And hopefully, you've uh, trained them well. And somewhat like that with with football players, you have from you know Monday to Friday to train them, and then Saturday they're out the door and you know, hopefully you've trained them well. Oh, indeed, indeed. Wow. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I was interested in what that transition might look like. Appreciate mm. it. So I, yes, I guess I wonder, have to wonder too, what's it been like to uh, be on the field on the opposite side of Queen's University on a number of occasions over the years? Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> you gave them their worst beating ever. Well, yeah, we, we beat them 66 nothing, which is the worst uh, beating in their, their plus years. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, we never ended up beating them on... Uh, on grass, the, the old Richardson Stadium. They were my, uh, they called it Death Valley. Whenever we went there, we never won. So the big joke was uh, the only reason, the only chance that Stu had to win at in Kingston was to change the football field. So <laughs> turf in, they said, well, it really wasn't Stu being that kind. He just wanted to win. Oh, so the, the true motive then for the revitalization project emerged. Yeah, that's he just right. wanted to put some AstroTurf down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, Ryan Sheehan, who is Pat Sheehan's son, and as you know, Pat had an illustrious career at Queens uh, finally went back, uh, I guess it'd be now two years ago, not counting COVID, and finally won. So it's the first time uh, Guelph has won at Kingston in for forever. So uh, so it looks like it worked. The artificial turf didn't work for me, but it worked for Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that folks that are coming to play against the Gales are enjoying the, enjoying the new turf. <laughs> Well, well, Dinah, I'll tell you another funny story, and Kim can uh, fill this in. Uh, Kim will tell you about her license plate. Oh, okay. all right. I'm intrigued. Oh, well, I do have Queens. Uh, I phone about donating uh, to Queens. This was uh, a number of years ago, and one of the things they were selling were, were new license plates. The Queens license plate. And this was before Stu was coaching at. Uh, wealth and uh, and I finally my my old license plate was very pitted and awful from the gravel road that we lived on so I said okay fine <laughs> I donated some funds and I got this new Queens with the Queens flag and the colors and things saying Queens University and then Stu started um, started uh, coaching at Guelph and it was always I always enjoyed driving in <laughs> to the parking lot with this Queens University. <laughs> And the flag and everything. And I always like to, to park my car very prominently. <laughs> and people, you know, as coaches, coaches, you noticed it too. <laughs> but no students egged your car or wrapped it in toilet no. paper. Okay. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately. Well, it, it was, I uh, figure it'll, it keeps me from getting parking tickets at Guelph. They probably figure, oh, she's from another university. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Visiting, just visiting. Yeah. Exactly. Just she doesn't know any better. No, <laughs> yeah. no but not being a, from a different university, she doesn't know about the parking situation. <laughs> well, I'm sure, uh, like uh, Queen's University, and trying to find a parking spot and not get a parking ticket if you're yeah. it's over. I'm sure it's uh, yeah. uh, pretty um, harsh in terms of getting a parking yeah. ticket at, at Guelph, too. Indeed. All right, so we thank you so much for sharing uh, so much about your time uh, uh, over uh, over at Guelph University too. I'd like to shift gears if we can uh, now to maybe talking about the Richardson Stadium revitalization project and 
well, you touched on it maybe a little bit. You you wanted some new turf, but <laughs> the two of you, what what inspired you to come back to Queens and support Richardson Stadium Revitalization Project? Well, Kim and I uh, many years ago set up a, a foundation that was geared around what we call the three A's, athletics, academics, and animal welfare. And um, as that started to, to grow, we started looking at, you know, major things that we could do. And I often joke, uh, I was playing football when the old Richardson, or the, I guess you'd call it the middle Richardson Stadium arrived. And I always joked that it looked old the day it arrived. Um, I think it was sort of temporary in hopes of building something better and they never got around to it. And as the years went by, um, it started to uh, deteriorate and it, it just didn't fit the uh, atmosphere and the environment that Queen's University has. Um, I don't know if this is a compliment or not, but it's sort of a Canadian Ivy League school. You know, it's a, a great community. It's by the water. It just has so many things going to it. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the conversation, the recent award. Uh, so they're a world-class university. So it was, um, it was a shame that uh, when you want, went to watch the football games, you had this old dilapidated stadium amidst this beautiful university. So, uh, a group of us got together and condemned. yeah, well, that's right. Kim, yeah, it was condemned some of the upper uh, stands. They wouldn't allow uh, students up there. For fear of collapse, well, yes. Yeah, uh, enough's enough. Let's try to build something that uh, suits the image, uh, culture and atmosphere uh, of Queens. And, you know, the Leslie Nelson and her group in the athletic department were very supportive. Uh, you know, even a small thing, most stadiums are built with a track around it because they try to provide everything in the one facility. And uh, the athletic department agreed that, no, we wouldn't have a track. So as a result, you have the fans closer to the stadium and it looks like a professional stadium mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, football stadium. So even... Uh, Hard-nosed opponents uh, like Greg Marshall at Western will say that that's the best stadium in Canada. Uh, they've done a great job. Uh, the other thing they did uh, is they built a concourse around it, and we'll get into talking to the pavilion, which now completes the concourse, so allow people to completely walk around the stadium. Mm -hmm. I, noticed, I noticed when I go to the games, the students spend more time in the concourse because they're milling around, talking with their friends. It's a very social atmosphere so uh, uh, we did a good job in terms of the design of the of the stadium so there is a, a nice track for at queens but from a, a fan athlete standpoint uh, you know the closeness really helps one another you know it, it motivates the players uh, the fans get to see, you know, what's going on. Um, so it was, it was a great design. Compliments to the architect. Okay, indeed. So let's hear a little bit more now about the pavilion that was uh, just announced by the university at, that will be completed uh, in the next year or so. Uh, so, and this will be the final step in the revitalization project for Richardson Stadium. Tell us about some of the amenities that the pavilion will offer uh, student athletes and whole teams. 
Well, as we said, it was sort of the connecting piece. Our, our hope right from the get-go was to build it, but um, you know, raising funds is difficult. So we ended up creating what they called the horseshoe without the end. So uh, the pavilion really finishes it off. And uh, uh, so from a player standpoint, uh, you know, you'll have uh, a wonderful locker room and it's, the new locker rooms are built in a, in a way to sort of create teamwork and socialization. Um, the hope is that the, the pavilion will become almost like the second home on campus for the players that in addition to coming to practice or play, they just like hanging out there because there's some meeting rooms that they can use uh, when they're not used for meetings to for study hall or just playing cards or games or things like that. Um, um, obviously, the the uh, the medical or training facilities are excellent. Uh, a lot more hot tubs, uh, cold tubs. Uh, as I said, the meeting rooms. Uh, so it's just a, a wonderful design. Um, uh, meeting rooms for the coaches. So the coaches, rather than right now, I believe they're in the athletic center and not in the stadium because they don't have meeting rooms. So everything's going to be there. You want to go meet a coach while you're working out. You know, the coach is right there in his office. Uh, the other thing is on the uh, rooftop, there's a, a big area with um, obviously washroom facilities and uh, uh, food uh, distribution. But it's uh, what I've noticed as I look at some of the professional football games, the fans don't like to sit in their seats. They like to mill around, talk to not just the person beside them, but a group of people that they've come with. So this whole rooftop, uh, I think it can fit several hundred people, is going to be a, a great spot for alumni uh, to hang out, watch a game with a drink in hand with a hot dog or hamburger. Um, I, I think it's going to be spectacular. It just uh, adding to what is the best football stadium, this this duel at the end. So it, it's it's going to be remarkable. So with that, Kim, what are you thinking for, uh, what are your hopes for the stadium and the pavilion after the pandemic is done and we can all be in spaces and places together again? What are your hopes? Just that it's a, a great community involvement. It's for people to go and and fun and, and enjoy themselves and just have a just have a great old time together because <laughs> we could all use some of that yeah. right <laughs> yeah. yes yes and uh, and there's lots of room to to socially distance yeah, if a... necessary and and credit to the university they've been very uh, imaginative uh, as you know they held that uh concert there a couple of years ago where it was jam-packed with oh the uh, glorious sons the glorious sons uh, yes. concert yes um you know you see that obviously at a professional level but not at a university level so the university has been very creative in saying okay how are we going to use this um i know from a football standpoint they, they've reached out to um some of the uh, U sport uh, events, uh, whether it's the East-West game, even the Vanier Cup championship game. So now that they have this venue, they can reach out and do some, um, some of the bigger events that they couldn't in the past. Okay, very fascinating, very exciting prospects there too. So now from a, a, an athletic uh, point of view, in the sphere of athletics, I wonder, 
um, with this, all of this revitalization for the stadium. I wonder, Stu, what your thoughts are on why modernized training and competition spaces are in fact so vital for varsity and intramural sports programming. If you think about, if you're looking back even in the, the history of hockey and how the, the goalie mask mm. has changed or the pads have changed in just their sheer design, even in the last 20 years, let alone the last 50, why is the, the evolution and the modernization so important? Well, if you want to have a good laugh, just look at some of my old football pictures. Uh, I know when my players would uh, find them online or discover them through my friends, they'd laugh at... Uh, what are those things you have on your shoulders? They look like uh, something you'd see in, uh, you know, the Civil War or something like that. You know, they were just huge. So obviously, uh, <laughs> with modernization comes miniaturization. So things get uh, stronger but lighter. Um, so that's a significant change. Um, as you know, the helmets have been evolving. Uh, what with um, 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 concussions and things so uh, uh mm -hmm. even the, uh, the the jersey material i know we'd always hated when it rained because the jersey got heavier but uh, you know, oh, now, yeah. it, now that it does not so uh, it, it's just a part of um, you know the, the sports moving forward people get uh, creative in terms of as i said reducing the the weight uh, but also increasing the protection um and they become very much uh, a status symbol uh, in terms of, if you look at a lot of, and now I'm talking football teams, but the same with hockey, you know, the multiple colored jerseys and things, there's not just home and away jerseys, there's a whole bunch of other jerseys. Uh, I know at uh, Guelph, uh, because one of our tricolors was black, uh, we were one of the first teams to go with an all black design which we just wore on homecoming so that was really cool the players love that so there's a, a mm -hmm. status or a design aspect now to equipment that there, there never was before which is interesting okay and now how do we translate the importance of this modernization to facilities such as the pavilions why would uh, the modernization also uh, be necessary for sports programming at the intramural and, and varsity levels? Well, <clears throat> I mentioned about the importance of recruiting. Um, your team's only going to be as good as the players that you bring in from, from high school. And uh, for a 16, 17, 18-year-old, there's a little bit of a coolness. Obviously, they want to choose a, a school that has the, the degree and the uh, academics they require. But they also, if they're going to play football, they want to play for a cool team that looks cool, that wins. So it's important that you not just have the equipment, but the facility that is maybe different and better in some way than, um, than the other schools. So when you come on a recruit trip and you walk through this locker room and you see all the branding and then you walk down to the medical facility and then you go meet the head coach in his office and then they take you around the concourse and say, can you envision yourself running down here and scoring? And we've got this um, video scoreboard at the end. So your face is gonna be up there for your mother to see. And so, so it's important from the standpoint, you have to have sort of a better message than your opponent. Um, um, and it's just one of many factors, but, that, but that's important. Um, okay. And I think too, it expresses 
a commitment to, uh, if you come to this school, we're going to take care of you. Look at this facility. Um, you're going to be well treated. Okay, exactly. Thank you. So now uh, with the announcement that was made on April 15th about the uh, completion of the uh, new pavilion, student athletes were also in attendance. Uh, what were their thoughts? Yeah, they had, uh, if I remember correctly, some football players and uh, female soccer players. And, you know, an athlete, especially at that level, is committed to excellence. They sacrifice a lot to get good at their craft and hopefully be a part of a winning championship team. So they want to have everything around them that supports that drive for excellence. So having a facility like that just strengthens their resolve to be you know, a great athlete and hopefully part of a, a championship team. So uh, they, they love the aspect of, you know, we're, we're going to play in this great field with uh, these great training facilities. So uh, they, they were quite excited. And there's also a sense of pride there. You know, this is our home. Look at how beautiful it is. Look what can it do for us. Okay. So what do you hope that spectators and community members, and of course, uh, your fellow alumni will also enjoy with access to these new facilities that the two of you and so many others have uh, ultimately made possible? Well, um, all uh, sports teams are sort of fighting with um, attendance because there's so many choices out there for people to uh, take up their time. And, and I've often said that you want to create a football game where people that maybe don't understand or enjoy football still want to come because the event is great. They want to be with their friends. So uh, we're, we're trying to create a, an event that uh, students will come. Uh, okay, there's a football game there, but I want to come because my friends are coming. You can grab a drink, a hot dog, and have fun. We can chat. Uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, Kingston, although they, you know, they have the hockey team, um, uh, but they don't have any professional teams like Toronto or Montreal. So the hope is that the city will uh, adopt the, uh, the Gales as their, their sort of, quote, professional team or city team and, and follow them. Um, uh, so we want to create an environment where, again, they want to go. And I, I talked about the, the rooftop where um, alumni or uh, people in the community can come and just have a great afternoon. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I guess overall in your views too, in what ways do you hope uh, that what, in what ways did the two of you hope athletics and recreation enhancements uh, that the pavilion will offer will further promote also health and wellness among students and community members alike. What are your thoughts there? Well, I think all universities um, are concerned about, you know, a holistic approach to the individual. It's not just uh, putting information into your mind. It's uh, also giving you an opportunity to explore yourself, uh, you know, athletically um, and whether it's intramural or at the varsity level, and Queens has done a good job in terms of their, their sports fields. Uh, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to compete. And I think there's a, a good friendly rivalry uh, amongst the intramural teams and things. So I think it's important that, uh, 
universities more than just classrooms. Um, in fact, I used to always tell my players that there's two classrooms at this university. One is inside and one is outside, the outside being the football field, because you can learn a lot of life lessons on a football field. And I would argue some are more relevant than what you learn inside the classroom. Um, so it's important that uh, when someone goes to university, they can explore a lot of interests. And okay, it may not be athletics, maybe it's uh, the arts, uh, maybe it's uh, playing an instrument. But uh, as I told my players, I said, I don't want you just to come here and play football. You got to get involved in some way. So I think uh, stadiums like this uh, allow that uh, opportunity for, um, for people to get involved. And in fact, um, just like you're doing, um, you know, there's opportunities beyond just being a fan. You could get involved in, you know, the organization, the selling of tickets, the, uh, uh, the announcement of the games and things like that. There's a, there's a lot of things that you can do outside of being a fan or a player on the field. Mm -hmm. And at CFRC, you can even join our sports team and be in and do the announcing and do and broadcast live. Yeah, there you the go. It's... For the Gales games. Just, I was just wondering. Well, this is of course before COVID. Did they still have the parade, sort of where all the students would come out from the main campus to West Campus, where they just everyone, yeah, and ever well games that you there'd be tons and tons of students that would be walking out. That was always a fun thing to do. Do they still do that? I said I know that they this happens for homecoming. I'm okay. not sure about regular games. Uh, I'm usually in the basement of Carruthers Hall teching. <laughs> so I don't see anybody from yeah, where, yeah, from my yeah. position. I get to I get to watch the uh, television screen because I'll watch the game just to sure. sort of make sure everything's sure. timing right as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, that was just always sort of a staple on the mm. Saturday or whatever. Well, we all look forward to being able to watch Gale's games and certainly Griffin's games and all the games again very soon. Um, yes. So with that in mind, yes, how have things been faring for the two of you uh, more recently with uh, with the pandemic? Well, we're doing pretty well so far. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, we've had, as Stu was saying, we've had our first shots, so... Mm -hmm. That's uh, always a relief. Yes, so, indeed. Yeah, so. we're, we're fortunate. Uh, we also have a cottage, which we're going to shortly. So uh, that gives you a little more opportunity to get outside, get on the lake, and, and do some things that uh, uh, are not restricted. So, so that's uh, fortunate. And the weather's starting to get warmer. So um, get out in the boat, which is nice. Amazing. Yeah. So anything else to add before we close today, Stu and Kim? No, I, no, I, I don't think so. Nina, what, uh, what's your impression of uh, what's going on at uh, West Campus? I'm really delighted to see opportunities for folks to be able to come back, uh, to do th fun things together, to be able to engage with each other, to relive that spirit that we were li living together just at a short time ago. I can't mm. wait to be back in the basement of Carruthers Hall myself, <laughs> talking football games again and being, oh, come on, get that extra yard. You mm. can do it. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Getting that excitement yeah. back again. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, 
yeah, I've always loved be, being a spectator and being able to uh, participate and feel that camaraderie with others. Even if I'm right. not an athlete in any way, it's fun to be able to engage uh, in the in the spectating of these with uh, my fellow alumni and Queen students and faculty members. Too. Right. Queens are so famous for the spirit, for their great spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. All right. So thank you both very much, folks. We have been talking with Kim and Stu Lang, Queen's University alumni, uh, who, among 300 other Queen's University alum, contributed more than $11 million to the uh, Richardson Stadium revitalization project, culminating with the construction of a brand new pavilion. And we've been talking all about the wonderful things that this pavilion will offer for uh, the sporting community, as well as spectators, alumni, community members, and more. Thank you both very much for joining us today. What a great conversation. You're welcome. Kao, kao, kao. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you.